not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. Our scripture text comes from Matthew the 12th chapter, verse 30 today. Matthew 12, 30. Keep your finger there. We're going to go back and, and talk about it a little bit more at the end, but just hold your finger there. We've got two turns, I think, today, and we'll go from there. The Bible says this. Anyone, say, somebody say anyone. anyone. Shout anyone again. Shout anyone. It says, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. That's Jesus talking to a bunch of folk. And I'll tell you why he was talking to those people in response to someone who was coming against him. And it's important for you to understand that that question is important for us today. I think, uh, Fabian, you said it. Just because someone say they're on the Lord's side don't necessarily mean they're on the Lord's side. So the question is today is, whose side are you on? Amen? You may be seated. You may be seated. And let me begin by saying thanks to the ministers who have stood in for the past four weeks. Uh, again, Minister Thomas, uh, for talking to us about, he made me want to holler. You may remember that. Minister Latham talked to you all about regulate your emotions. Sister Ernestine Carswell on Mother's Day talked about he comes and I got receipts. Then last week, Minister Gottlieb uh, talked to us about if your gifts, is your gift your purpose or is there a purpose for your gift? Now, all of those messages are powerful in their own way, and they're all on our on-demand service. So if you would like to go back and listen to them, I highly encourage that. All you have to do is go to our on-demand on our website, and you can pick up any of the things that we have presented here in Striving. Amen? Well, now today I want to, to preach to you from another simple question that demands an answer. Somebody say demands. Demand. That demands an answer. See, when I ask you whose side are you on, I'm demanding a re response. Because I want to know. Jesus wanted to know whose side those folk were on. And he made it clear to them that they had to make a choice and they couldn't stay in the middle. I think the brothers was talking about that today. So my objective in this sermon today is simply to show you that when it comes to serving the Lord, and being extremely loyal to him, there is no neutrality. There is no medium between loving the Lord and being his enemy. Somebody say no neutrality. Neutrality means that you support neither side in a quarrel or a fight or a war. How many of you know we're supposed to be in warfare with the devil? And you've got to make up in your mind whose side you're on. Neutral is not a position for you to be in. Amen. Neutrality also means being on the sideline, on the fence, disengaged or indifferent. Revelation often talked about us like this when we think we are indifferent or, or, or in the middle. It causes lukewarm. And he said, I would rather you be hot or cold, but don't try to play in the middle. Because if you play in the middle, I was... Y'all don't want to get... 
How did they do? Y'all want you to spit on nobody because, you know, COVID may still be going around, but you got your mask on. So this thing that Jesus was trying to get us to see is very important because he wants you to see that when it comes to him versus Satan, there is no neutral ground. And he expects us to be extremely loyal to him. Somebody say extremely. You know, if I may use a colloquial expression for extreme loyalty, it means for someone who will stick with you all the way to the end, who's going to stand by your side all the time. You know, I believe Jesus will say he's looking for some ride or die followers. He want to know, are you going to ride or die with him? Because he's letting us know that he wants us to stay with him to the so my telos, my ultimate aim and ideal goal is for you to answer the question. Whose side are you on? Go to Joshua chapter 24. I'm going to show you. You got a choice to make. And the choice is yours. See here, Joshua was renewing the covenant between God and Israel. And he made it crystal clear that they had to make a choice. They could not be neutral when it comes to their loyalty and service to the Lord. See, God had done so many things for them from the time of Abraham to the time that he delivered them out of Egypt, bringing them into the promised land where he gave them land that they did not work for, where he gave them cities that they did not build, where he gave them vineyards and olive groves that they did not plant. And at the end of all that, God said, I'm coming back into this covenant with you and I need for you to make a decision whose side you're going to be on. And so Joshua challenged the people here in this text, and I think we can learn something from it. Y'all in Joshua chapter 24, verse 14 and 15 says this. He says, now therefore, fear the Lord. Somebody say fear. Fear, fear means you need to have a reverence and respect for God, a reverential fear. Serve him with integrity. Somebody say serve. You need to be working. You need to be doing something for the Lord. You need to be worshiping him. You need to be serving him. But he don't want you to serve him any kind of way. He wants you to serve him with integrity. Integrity that I was talking about, he wants you to serve him with their undivided loyalty. You can't be loyal to him and the devil at the same time. Then he says, serve me in truth. Don't let your relationship with him be a lie. Stop faking. If you ain't on this side, just say it. Don't fake it. Because sooner or later, your, you go, your loyalty is going to be tested. And when it's tested, you need to make sure whose side you're on. He says, now put away. Somebody say, put away. See, in order to be truly on his side, you got to put away some stuff. You got to put away some things. There's some things that, that you may be more loyal to than you are to the Lord. And he said, now's the time for you to, somebody said, put away again. He said, put away the gods of your fathers. Your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Somebody shout, serve the Lord. Because in my Bible, it got an exclamation point at the end. That means that we say it with emphasis. Serve the Now, this is what I like when he gives us a condition right here. And if, Brother Herb, it seems evil to you to serve the Lord. You need to choose for yourself. Somebody say for yourself. for yourself. You can't choose for grandmama, sister, brother, mama, dad. You need to choose for yourself. Somebody say this day. This day. 
not tomorrow. Those of you online, this day. You're listening here this day. You're here this day. If you're not serving faithfully, you're not serving with a committed heart, you need to rededicate your life to the service of the Lord. Because this day, he want to know whose side are you on. Somebody said, you got to choose. Somebody said, choose. He said, choose for yourself. You got to make this decision for yourself. Whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, who were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites, who's in the land we dwell. But as for me, somebody say, but as for me. You can only speak for you and your household. If you got the head of a household, you ought to be able to speak for you and your fathers. You ought to be able to speak for your household. Mothers, if you don't have a man there or you're a husband and wife, y'all ought to be able to speak. Your children don't need an option when it comes to who they're going to serve while they're living with you. Y'all don't want to hear that. You know, you know we, we living in this generation. You just got to let them do them. No, they're going to do them with Jesus. Because in this household, now when they leave here, they can serve whoever they want, do whatever they want, but when they're in now, that don't mean you're going to put them in a straight jacket and they can't play Nintendo and they games and all that, but it's saying they need to know whose side. Because if you don't tell them whose side they're on, they'll go out there and join the enemy and bring him right into your... But as for me and my house, we will, not may, not might, but we will serve the Lord. So somebody got a choice to make today. It's decision time for some folk. You need to tell some people that you know, you need to make up in your mind. Are you going to be loyal to the Lord? Are you going to be loyal to the devil? There is no image. Well, well, you know, I ain't on nobody. No. In the middle, mean you're on the other side. Y'all don't hear that, do you? Go to Matthew chapter, Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. This is going to make some sense to somebody. Because we're going to get somebody out of neutral. You know, a car in neutral ain't good for nothing. You know, you'll push it any kind of way. Push it any way you want to go. You, you just, it just ain't, ain't good for nothing. Believers that just sit out there in neutral ain't good for nothing. They've already got you. You sit not there in neutral. I'm, I'm, I'm on the Lord. I said, no, you ain't. Not if you're in neutral. Not if you disengage. Jesus, help me out. I know this wasn't going to be good after all the sweet messages y'all done heard before the last four weeks. Y'all been, you know, y'all been pampering them, baby, you know, their toys all night. That's good, too. I want you to know all that. I want you to, but right now, Latham, I'm trying to tap into an emotion. Because I want to know. And I know some people get tight out there. I can feel it. I can just feel it up here. But I told you that's my goal. That's my aim. Is to find out. That's the only reason I'm standing up here today. To make someone think about whose side. And I hope that tickle the right emotions in you that you're going to shout and dance because you're on the... Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. This passage of scripture is part of Jesus' 
Sermon on the Mount. Most of y'all are familiar with that from 5 through 7 in Matthew. But here Jesus was continuing his theme to his disciples where he was talking to them about having undivided and extreme loyalty. And he made it clear that half-heartedness, somebody say half-heartedness, double-mindedness, somebody say double-mindedness, indecision, somebody say indecision, or neutrality, somebody say neutrality, is not going to cut it in the kingdom of God. He explained that no one can faithfully serve two masters. Now, he just had got through talking about their eye. And if their eye is pure, if the light that's coming into the eye is single. In other words, he's saying, look, you, you know when you're focusing, you can't focus on everything in this room and see clarity in what you're trying to see. But if I look straight at Brother Herb and focus in on him because he's my goal, he's my aim, he's my objective, Cliff is out of focus. I can see him, but he ain't the focus. And what I'm trying to tell you, Jesus saying, y'all looking panoramic and y'all seeing too much, but I need for you to focus so you can know whose side you're on that you can't serve. You can't serve two masters. You can try all you want. The world used to sing a song, trying to love two. Some of y'all lived that thing out back in the day. <laughs> trying to love two is so hard. Adrian, you're too young. You don't remember that. That, one, that. that was back when I was a kid. You know, my mama used to get off with that one, you know, trying to love. Brother Patu, you know what I'm talking about, trying to love. You know, we, we just figured that we could love four or five of them. But the Bible says trying to love. But some of y'all married folk, you need to understand that. You ain't married but one. You can't love but Some of y'all young folk out there that's trying to get married. You can't play the field like that. Let me get back to money, because y'all can understand Jesus was talking about money here, but he wasn't talking about money specifically. The principle was is that whatever you love becomes your God. And if you love something more than you love God, then that something is your God. You don't lose nothing by loving God and loving your family after you love God. Because you love God, you're going to treat your family better. So therefore, God is not asking you to forfeit your relationship with your husband, your wife, and your children. He's just saying that, hey, get things in order. Love me, and if you love me right, that's by nature, then you're going to treat your wife and children right. But apparently there were some folk that were listening to Jesus teach. Brother Purdue trying to love too. He must have sensed that in his spirit. And he just started to say these things favoring because somebody, even somebody online today, somebody, I ain't gonna, I'm going to give y'all the benefit of the doubt because y'all had the nerve to come to church that y'all, you ain't trying to love. You know, in the world, they had another song like that when you can just say, love the one you. <laughs> So right now, y'all in the house, so just love Jesus. Just put your focus on him right now. Put your love, your adoration, put everything in you toward. 
Don't sit here and zoom out on me because I'm slowing down right here and go somewhere else in your mind and fell in love with. Stay focused on what the word is trying to get you to see because God is saying you can't love two things to the same degree. Let me read this. He says, no one, somebody shout no one. Shout no one again. That means you. Amen. That means you. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate one, the one, or love the other. Or else he will be loyal, somebody say loyal, to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and mammon. Mammon there was talking about material things. We can say it's money, your cars, your possessions, whatever it is you got. God ain't got no problem with you having it. He just got a problem with you loving it. You can't love your money. Somebody once said, I got my mind on my... Y'all know that thing, don't you? <laughs> I got my mind on my money and my money on my... That means you love your money more than you love the Lord. Because you're always looking at your numbers, trying to see how much of it you got. Not knowing that if this is your last day, your last moment, somebody else is going to take care of your money. So you might as well get your things on your mind on things that's more important than your money. Have your money. We need it to live. Money is amoral. It's neither good or bad. It's the people that handle it that make it good or bad. So God is saying, look, I don't have no problem with you having your money. Just don't love it and make it your God. Because the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. You can trace most things back to a person's desire for material things. And Jesus telling his disciples, hey guys, you can't get caught up in material things and think you're going to love me to the same degree. If you're going to ride or die with me, you're going to have to put some of that stuff to the side. I don't mind you having it because we got to eat. We got to travel. We got to do what we got to do. But at the end of the day, you can't love the money. Money is a good servant, but it's a poor master. You ought to be using your money to serve God in a good way and to serve your family in a better way. But you shouldn't be Worshiping your. Don't let your money make you feel important. You ought to be important when the market falls. Because believe me, it's going. And when it falls, don't go crazy. Don't jump out no window. Because if you do, that made it look like you put your trust You broke for you got it. And you live. So you can live being broken. Y'all forgive me today. I just want to know whose side are you on. I just want to know who you're going to ride or die with. Amen. Jesus want to know. Are you going to ride or die with him, Brother Purdue? Brother Latham, he want to know. He didn't, ask, he didn't say this at the end of this text just to be saying it. He was saying it because he realized that people need to know and understand just how important that relationship is with him. 
and what he expects. You know, I didn't have time to dig deeper because I didn't want to go through to try and explain. Why would he tell folks, you know, you're going to follow me. You're going to have to, you know, your mama and your daddy and your sister and your brother may come against you. I didn't come to do all things together. I came to divide. Because I'm going to snatch you out from amongst them. I'm going to put some separation between you and Oh, that seems kind of hard, but Jesus said, you can't follow me and be in new. Whose side are you on? You know, the song asked the question. Y'all was, y'all was clapping all kind of ways. Y'all, you know, y'all should have read the title on the outside. No, I'm going to ask y'all this. Hey, Amen. Don't let, don't let your joy be gone. We may run that song back a little bit at the end. Because if you're really on the Lord's side, you're going to get a better understanding of why you stand up and clapping. Let me go back to the text. Y'all go back to where we started, Matthew chapter 12. Matthew chapter 12. Now, the text scripture is taken from an episode where Jesus had healed a man who was demon-possessed. Somebody say demon-possessed. Blind. Somebody say blind. And mute. Somebody say mute. Now, when the man got to the point where he can both speak and see, all the people were amazed. They were amazed and they said, ask this significant question. Could this be the Messiah? We done seen some things happen before our eyes that we ain't never seen before. And we believe that we got a coming Messiah. Could this guy be the one? You know, everybody else out there in the world say they want to be the one. I want to be that. I hear little young folks say, I want to be that guy. What that mean? You want to be that guy. I want to be that guy. Finally, after serve, you got to tell me what all that means, because I know it's significant. I mean, I want to be that. Jesus said, I want to be that. When it comes to your life, I want to be that. I want to be that guy that you're going to be loyal to. So he had done these things, and the people were celebrating because they're talking, hey, maybe this is the Savior. But when the Pharisees heard it, they tried to attribute Jesus' miraculous miracle to Satan. In fact, they tried to defame Jesus by accusing him of being in allegiance with the devil. So Jesus, with this powerful, his powerful words of truth, confounded them and made it abundantly clear that he was not on the devil's side. But in truth, he had dominion. Somebody said dominion. He had dominion over Satan. Now, I want you to understand that it is good to ride and die with somebody who got power. It's good to ride and die with somebody who got authority over the devil. Because I got to believe I ride and die with him. The devil just can't be beating me up all the time. I mean, he wouldn't be loyal to me if I'm loyal to him and you on his team and the devil beating you all the time. You come to church and you talk about, oh, Satan just <laughs> down. Who team are you on? Who you riding with? Did the one you riding with desert you and just leave you and let the devil just I'm going to make it, man, my job, my kids, I could help him. 
Wait, wait a minute. Whose side are you on? And the fifth that is who's on your side? Because if he's on your side, he's more than the world against you. So sometimes you got to change your attitude and know who's on your side and know whose side you're on. Because I know I'm on the right team. I know I'm on the winning team. I got to act like a winner even when the game is close. In life, you're going to sometimes have some close games. But at the end of the day, as long as you win, an ugly win is a win. They don't, they don't caption the paper and say, you know, that was an ugly championship win. Who cares? At the end of the day, we had the trophy. The other team was crying over there in their locker room. We out here. You know, we came to church today to get our... See, you don't want to act like that when you're losing. Some of y'all came here to, I hope it just make it through the day, get me get on back. Man, I come here to cheer you up today. Ask you a question, whose side are you on? And when you understand whose side are you on, you ought to carry yourself. <laughs> like you know whose side you're on because you know he's on your side. See, Jesus did not come to collaborate, cooperate, or consider, you know, himself in alliance with the devil because he understood that he had power over him. A reason so many Christians are living below their privileges, they don't realize the power that they have. And so they're walking around believing the news clippings, making them think that they are power. Look at verse 24 in Matthew. Defamation. You know when you try to do what's right for the Lord, some folks are going to come against your character. They're going to try to accuse you of some stuff. That just come with it. Hey, I'm riding a dime with the winner. I don't care what you say about me. Talk about me all you want. Try to accuse me of this, that, and that, all you want. I know who I ride with. And I'm riding till I die, Cliff. This ain't just no one-off. I'm going to be with him the rest of my Look at this. After Jesus had done all these miraculous things, look what happened. But when the Pharisees heard about the miracle, they said, no wonder he can cast out demons. He got his power from Satan, the prince of demons. You know, when the enemy don't know what to accuse you of, they just make up stuff because they just don't know. So now these are the religious men who should have understood that God had power. And now they're saying because they don't like Jesus, and what he's doing, they're attributing his power to the devil. So Jesus couldn't let that go unchallenged. I can't let you attribute what I'm doing for the Lord to the devil. I ain't doing this to glorify the devil. I'm not doing this because I'm in alliance with the devil. I'm not doing this because I'm loyal to the devil. I'm doing this because I know who I am in the Lord. I'm doing this because I know who my father is. I'm doing this because I know whose side I am. Look at verse 25. Jesus used some discernment here. He must have looked at their face. You know, sometimes, did y'all, did y'all, do y'all know this? Sometimes you can discern what folks thinking by looking at their face when you say certain things. You can almost see the caption going over their head. That's why y'all need to pay attention and look at folks when you're talking to them. 
I know the mask is covering up some stuff, but their eyes will tell the story. The eyes is the gateway to the soul. And when you're talking to people, make eye contact if you can. And look at how big or how small and how them pupils do certain things when you... Y'all better stop looking at folks talking down. But look up in their face. See what kind of expression that come over them with their eyes. Let you know what they're hearing based on what you are saying. They said Jesus was working for the devil. So Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Some of your Bible said a house divided against itself. You know, I know Abraham Lincoln get credit for saying that, but he read the Bible. He didn't tell y'all that. He just quoted it and around. He should have put the caption on it. I got this out of the Bible. So we quoted all the time. And said, well, who said that? Abraham Lincoln? No, Abraham Lincoln got that from Jesus. I mean, he should have gave Jesus some credit for it. Now I'm, I'm setting the record straight. Abe got that thought from Jesus. Jesus said a house divided against itself. That is a divine principle. Anything that divided against itself diminishes itself. And so once you start diminishing yourself, something lesser than you are able to beat you. And he said, look here, Cliff, even the devil understand that principle. Look at this. He says, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. Any town or family, somebody say family. Mm-hmm. I ain't got family too much in my mess today, but I will stop here briefly since it is Sunday, and most of the families online sitting at home probably watching, doing something. So I might as well talk about family just for a brief moment. That all right, Brother Latham? He says, now any family splinter by fueling will fall apart. Husband and wife, those of you who still working on it, trying to get together, Y'all need to stop arguing with one another in front of your kids. You, you can't let your children see you are divided amongst yourself. Because when they do, they're going to play one side against the... Because it weakens your position when they know they're coming against someone that's there. When I know I can go play mama against daddy, then I'm going to go and play mama, and then now daddy's going to feel like he's outnumbered because it's too long. When mama and daddy ought to be on the same sheet of music and little Johnny ought to be the odd man out of this. Johnny, we already know what's going to happen in this house. We already made a decision what we're going to do. Now, Johnny, you can't come against us and play us against one another because we are not divided. We are operating in the spirit of oneness. He said a town or families up by feuding, feuding will fall apart. Let me talk to America right now. <laughs> we better get it together. That principle is going to work right here. If we continue to allow this country to be divided, one day we're going to be speaking Chinese. One, one day we're going to have somebody else on our current set. Because the principle is, anything that's divided cannot stand. Do you think God made an exception for America? We weren't even formed when that was written. The principle is effective no matter who reads it. 
no matter what nation is talking about. That's why we need to be trying to figure out a ways that we can unite. We got it right in our name, the United States of a... Well, we need to change that right now because that is a lie. We are the divided, red and blue, and some purple in between. Why? Why Chinese got so much influence? Because they know what they want to do. They talk in one voice. And they just waiting. We ain't got to do nothing. America self-check. You know, we used to say that in basketball. They self just leave him over. He can't hit the three. Leave him over. We're going to put two on somebody else and just leave him over. Cause make him shake the shot. Because he can't shoot no way. We don't want America to become a self-check nation. DeAndre, well, you just leave them over and play five on four. Leave America sitting over there. They, they self-check because they fighting amongst themselves now. They fighting about what flags should be and statues should be and voting rights. No, man, they, let's leave them alone. They're going to destroy themselves. I figured I had to make this real because y'all think, oh, Jesus just talking to these Jews back then. Now he's talking to you too. Talking to your house, your neighborhood, your community. If it's divided against itself, it ain't going to stand. He says anybody that's divided like that, his kingdom, his own kingdom, will not survive. So he's saying, now look, Satan, understand that. Because look what he says. And if Satan is casting out Satan, he is divided and fighting against his own self. His own kingdom will not survive. So the devil's smart enough to know that we can't be divided as we go attack God's folk. We got to be on the same sheet of music because if we get divided, we're not going to be able to take Cliff down. Now, if the devil understand that principle, why is it that God's people can't? Say that his kingdom, his own kingdom will not survive. Verse 27. Look at this question. It says, and if I am, I am empowered by Satan, this is Jesus talking to them leaders now, what about your own exorcist? You know, you got some folks that run with you that claim they can cast out demons too. They don't lay hands on folks. The Jews had some folks that could go around and they believed that they were, was empowered with spiritual gifts to be able to cast out demons. He said, now, those folks that you taught and you told them about that and they out there doing it, are you now saying that they also work for, for the devil? They're going to be upset with them. You because, Cliff, I taught you this, and all of a sudden now you're doing what I taught you, and then Jesus is doing the same thing that I taught you, but then now I want to say Jesus is working for the devil, then I must be by implication saying that Cliff works for the devil. I know, I know that was telling. I had to read that five, six times to get that revelation that what he was trying to get them to see is that, you know, your own folk going to come against you and condemn you. Yeah. Cliff's going to condemn you, Bolden, because you say he's working for the devil and he's just doing everything you taught him. <laughs> Y'all look at this. He says, they cast out demons too, so they will condemn you for what you have said. Now look at this. Somebody say, but in verse 28. But, but if I am casting out demons by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God 
has arrived among you. What is he saying there? Finley, he's saying, now look, if you see that I'm casting out demons, then that means that the kingdom that you have been waiting for to arrive, the kingdom of the Messiah, the kingdom of the one who got the power and authority, it is right here amongst you and you don't even... Jesus is right there on the inside of some of y'all and y'all don't even... Because you allow the devil to come against you and defeat you because you just don't know that the kingdom inside of you has already come in the form of the Holy Spirit. So therefore, you shouldn't be crying and whining, going through everything like somebody who don't have no spirit and no hope. You just don't know that he's already already arrived in you. You don't know what's on the inside of you, then you think that you're just powerless when, look here, the greater thing that's on the inside of you is more powerful than whatever it is that's coming against you. Look at this. Going back to verse 28, look at this truth and, and say it again. But if I am casting out demons by the spirit of demons, by the spirit of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. And look at this. This is, this is liberating right here. Somebody say liberating. liberating. This, this ought to free somebody up right here because y'all got to get this. He said, now look, I'm in verse 29. For who is powerful enough to enter the house of a strong man like, that, like Satan and plunder his goods? Oh, my God. Then he answers, only someone even stronger. Someone who could go in, tie him up, and plunder his house. Y'all ain't got to get this thing. Let me make it real for y'all. That's almost like saying Jesus is bad enough to go and take your house from the devil while the devil is sitting there on God. You know, it's almost, it's easy to break in somebody's house when they're at home, Brother Herb. You just kind of, oh, they out, they, they out at church this morning. They out, they gone. The alarm may or may not be on, but look, ain't nobody home. I'm just going to break in there. Thieves do that for them. But when the thief knows somebody sitting in there with a 12 gauge, all they hear is chick, chick, change their mind. Now, Jesus said, look here, I didn't know. The devil's sitting there with a, but I'm going to take his house. I ain't going to turn around <laughs> and leave that house like that. I'm going to take it in. Now look here, I got to make y'all get this. You are the house. Before Jesus came into your life, somebody was sitting inside of you. The strong man. The strong man was controlling your life. The strong man was telling you what to do. The strong man, and while he was on duty, Cliff, Jesus, I went in and I took his house. I snatched him out of that house because I am the stronger one. And I can try so ask you today, who do you want to ride or die with? Do you want to drive, ride or die with the strong man? Or do you want to ride or die with someone that is stronger? Oh, Lord, have mercy. He didn't wait till you stop lying. He came and got you. He didn't wait you to, for you to stop fornicating. He came and. He didn't 
didn't wait till you stopped, you know, sleeping around and you were married. He just came in. I ain't going to wait till they finish up what they're doing. No, I'm going to go get them even while the strong man got them because I am the stronger. <laughs> I got the stronger one who has rescued me. And I know now I'm on the stronger one side. There's no doubt in my mind when the question is asked, whose side are you on? Whose side are you on today? Who's on your side? Who's on your side? And whose side are you? Are you on the stronger one side today? Are you still out there on the loser's side? Because I tell you, there is no middle ground. Either you riding with Jesus or you riding with the devil. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking to all y'all neutral riders now. I ain't made up my mind yet. I'm here to challenge you today. It's time for you to make up your mind. Who you going to serve today? Who you going to ride with today? Who you going to be with today? Whose side are you And look here, sometimes we're on the Lord's side, you're on this team, don't get upset because other folk on the team you may not know about. See, Jesus had to correct John. I ain't going to turn that, but y'all, let me read this, because this is powerful. I see this happening sometime in the church. He said, now look, John thought that the only people that could have that power was the people that walked with Jesus. They didn't know that there was power in the name. And they thought because we walk with the one that got the name, anybody else that don't walk with us can't use that name and get the same results. So Jesus, hey, look here, you guys are mistaken. Y'all don't dare this thing down to just you all, but I got a lot of other folk out there that know how to use mine. Look at this. John said this in Luke 49, 49 and 50, and I'm almost done. John said to Jesus, Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons, but we told them to stop because he isn't in our group. Good God Almighty. You ain't in my group. You ain't in the sisterhood. You don't come to the brotherhood. So therefore, now you out there talking, you praying in the name of Jesus, and you done got somebody to deliver. You don't come to striving brotherhood. I dare you go out there and use the name of Jesus. Jesus said, shut up. Shut up. Don't you know if he is not against me, he's for me. And whether he ride with you or not, if he's using my name, he's on mine. <laughs> Y'all got to stop putting your mouth on folk who's on the Lord. <laughs> I thought that was me. But he told him, stop, because he isn't in our group. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you. And he said, had to like him. I done coached some football teams where the players didn't like each other. But they know when they put that uniform on and the other team showed up, they knew whose side they were. When you got 50 folks on the one team, they ain't going to all like each other all the time. But they better be loyal to one another when we get in between the lines. When we get out there and meet the enemy, they better show up. So what I'm telling you, if you're a child of God, when the enemy show up, you better show up and you better be on the right. You know, if, if, we, if Jesus formed a little gang, I don't know what he'll be, you know. We, you better have on the right uniform. You better have on the right colors. 
You can't just call up and come up in here and can't identify with Jesus. You better have some sign, some marking, something to let the world know whose side you are. It may only be your conduct and your character that let people know. So that's why Jesus said at the very end of the text that I was talking about when he said, anyone who isn't with me opposes me. And anyone who isn't working with me is actually working against me. Not somebody, anybody. So the question is, whose side are you on? Who's on the Lord's side? The songs say, if you're on the Lord's side, stand up. If you're, <laughs> don't be scared now, just stand up. You look here, even if you're faking it, just go ahead and stand up. Hallelujah. Because you just don't know. He may be in the, on the verge of snatching you right out of the enemy's hand all because you stood up to represent him. Don't be ashamed of the Lord. If you're on his side, stand up. Can we just close? I ain't going to preach no more. Can that song play one more time? Can, Joe, I mean, uh, uh, Marcus, can y'all get that rhyming back up one more time? We may not listen to the whole thing, but I think now you got to understand, if you don't answer that question, then there's a lot of other people out there that you know. You need to be bold enough at some point in time to ask grandmama, ask brother, sister, cousin, friend, whose side are you? You don't want them to be on the wrong side and you could have influenced some outcomes in their life all because you didn't clearly define whose side you were on. Because sometimes when we hang around people and we have no influence, then they have all the influence and they will assume because they have the influence that you are on there. When you're hanging around folks, you ought to be the influential one. You ought to have the influence. You ought to have the boldness. You ought to have the audacity to stand up and say, I'm on the. <laughs> I know that's tough for some people, man, but look here. Jesus said that. Pastor Bolden didn't. But I believe he's asking some today, whose side are you on? Don't make me spit you out. Don't make me do that. You know, some of y'all don't, you know, you, you, you ever, you coffee drinkers, you know, when you go get your cup of coffee, you know I'm going to see the little smoke or whatever it is coming up out of that thing. You know, it's smoke coming up. And you know, when you, when you think coffee is hot, you don't just go in and go, <laughs> you kind of ease up on that thing. You know what I mean? You kind of ease up. You get your lips ready, brother, brother Daniel. You get them ready because there's no say something hot finna hit these lips. So you get the lips mentally ready to receive something hot. You say, and then all of a sudden you find out it's cold. You say, I done went through all that. Now you just want to put it back in the microwave until it gets some heat. Don't let the, <laughs> I don't want the Lord to put any of y'all back in the microwave. You need to show some signs now. If you're on his side, act like you're on his side. Talk like you're on his side. Live like you're on his side.